Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity, the bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people associate the term yoga with exercise. Kriya Yoga is a wider system including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today on the Yoga Hour, our topic is Stress Less with Yoga and Meditation. And I am joined by Dr. Carrie Demers. Carrie's a board-certified internal medicine physician uh, who practices in a holistic fashion um, by blending modern medicine with traditional approaches to health. After receiving her medical degree from the University of Cincinnati and completing her residency at Michael Reese Hospital in Chicago, uh, Carrie went on to study massage, homeopathy, nutrition, herbal medicine, and Ayurveda. She's on the faculty of the Himalayan Institute and is the medical director of the Institute's Total Health Center. Dr. Demers has been interviewed by numerous magazines and newspapers and lectures nationally on holistic health and Ayurveda. She's a frequent contributor to Yoga International and is on the board of directors for IAYT, which stands for the International Association of Yoga Therapists. Um, her, um, we're going to talk about two potential websites where you can get more information about uh, Dr. Demers. One is actually at the Himalayan Institute, um, whose website is himalayaninstitute.org, or you can also look at yogainternational.com backslash Dr. Carey. Um, no periods, just Dr. D-R-C-A-R-R-I-E. So welcome, Carrie Demers, I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you so much, Laurel. I'm so happy to be here. Perfect. So before we enter into our dialogue about yoga meditation and stress, let's begin with a moment of meditation. Om. Oh. 
Let's open our hearts and our minds to the divine. One reality, called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, around us, and between us. In this moment, we simply let our attention move from the periphery of our awareness to the depths. We become aware of our breath, noticing its natural flow. Not trying to change it, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words and thoughts, beyond all change, beyond thought and sensation, pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless being. Peace, emanating from the essence of our being, pervades the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. part of our journey on or as part of our series on the journey of self-discovery we're exploring how yoga and meditation can help us to stress less paramahansa yogananda said the secret of health for both mind and body is not to mourn for the past worry about the future or anticipate troubles but to live in the present moment wisely and earnestly The many practices of yoga are designed to help us live wisely in that present moment, but in our fast-paced world today, we often encounter the challenge of living with stress. Normally, the term stress brings only negative associations to mind. However, our response to stress evolved thousands of years ago as a means of protecting us. Carrie, as we dive into our conversation, let's use an example of crossing the street and seeing a car that is rapidly approaching that you aren't sure will stop. Can you give a brief description of the stress response? Sure. So in that moment when we experience uh, life as, as uh, uh, dangerous, as there's a threat to us, to our personal well-being, um, the body goes into red alert mode. We call that the stress response. And so our body's flooded with adrenaline. Our sympathetic nervous system uh, kicks in, and our body revs up to be able to fight or flee from that danger. Um, and it's a good thing that these things happen to us. It, it actually is, as you say, a really positive response. Um, it helps us survive things like, you know, that near miss on the highway or being chased by a dog or a grizzly bear in the back country of Yellowstone or whatever, you know, there are times when we need to kick into high gear to survive a, a physical stress. Um, that, what I wanted to say that, that really what I want to talk about is for a minute is that that stress response isn't good or bad. It's we're actually, um, there's a thing called tone. There's a, when there's activity in that sympathetic nervous system, 
it's called tone in the science world. So we have, we have tone in that system just to get us out of bed in the morning. It's more when there's too much activity that it creates, you know, an overdrive or, a, or a, 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 a problems for us. Um, Right, and you could even you can even think about it as if we didn't have the stress response, uh, we may not even actually be here now because our ancestors really might not have survived. So that's right. It, overall, it is a it is a you know it, at least evolutionarily, I think it was a positive thing. Now, once a stressor disappears, such as when the car stops or passes us by without injury, what hormones are active in recovering from the stress response? Well, really, the, so the, the activation creates adrenaline, and if it goes on for minutes to hours, we get the cortisol rising as well. And that's, but the minute that your mind says, oh, I'm safe again, your body moves into that um, there's less tone in that system. Those active, those stress hormones drop in your body, and you have more what's called the parasympathetic system is more kicking in. So there's this balance going on all the time of, the rise and fall of activity in those two halves of our of our of that nervous system. One, the kind of the go, fight, do, uh, protect, and the other one is the parasympathetic system, or the vagal. The vagal system um, is more the rest and digest, the restoration. It's more of an inward focus, of creating homeostasis and balance in the body, and that's more governed by uh, neurotransmitters like acetylcholine, as opposed to those cortisol and adrenaline hormones. Right. One of the things that's been interesting to me to reflect on over the years as I see uh, people as a physician, you know, who have problems related to stress is that the stress response by definition really is a physical response, which literally prepares the body to fight or flee, which is why they call it the, you know, fight or flight response. But this is such a mismatch with today's stressors, which are often mental or emotional. And then the other thing that's really different about today's stressors is that they are ongoing or often are ongoing or chronic, where originally a physical stress, such as being chased by an animal, would happen, but then it would go away rather quickly and they're Probably was a while before you know the body was stressed again in the old you know physical days. So while stress is associated with lots of minor health issues like tension, headaches, and difficulty falling asleep, research is increasingly showing the effect of stress on the biggest health problems of our times. So what are some of the harmful effects of chronic stress? Well, that's just a great a great point that you just made. Is that if we're actually fighting for our lives, we are. Our bodies are set to do that. We have all this blood sugar and, and energy that's potentially there for us to, like, you know, leap over tall buildings or lift cars off of trapped people. Or you've heard of those, or, um, you know, to, to, to do Herculean acts. That's what, we're, that's what we're prepared for. And you're right. When that's not what's happening, when we're just driving to work or we're just experiencing our daily life as stressful chronically, all that preparation to act physically isn't manifested so it actually acts against us and so that that rise of blood pressure that rise of blood sugar that prepares us for action is now the creator of some very common chronic diseases like high blood pressure like diabetes um the cortisol levels that are that rise that are chronically high and many of us now in this society have been linked to uh chronic disease states um uh, high cholesterol, central obesity, chronic inflammation states. Um, so all those things. That, and, and actually what, what most distressing really is that the number one killer of people in the westernized world is heart disease, is coronary artery disease. And we know the risk factors for that are high blood pressure, diabetes, and high cholesterol, along with family history and smoking. But those three things. And that's exactly what the stress response is magnifying is those potential risk factors for heart disease, the thing that kills most of us. So that, to me, that's just, that's the, the modern, uh, sort of dilemma is that our, 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 our lifestyle is perpetuating the very cause of, of our demise. 
Yes, I think that, you know, that's, those are all really great associations. And you can see it, you know, really when you mention that as part of the stress response, that cortisol level is increased. And of course, one of the effects of cortisol is it does raise the blood sugar. So you can just imagine in, in a chronically stressed state with a high cortisol level, you know, that is going to be one of the effects. Yeah. So what effect does yoga have on stress hormones like cortisol? Well, can we- before we go there, can I just say one other thing that I mentioned sure. is that cortisol also is a immune depressant. So right. along with that sort of heightening all those risk factors for heart disease, cortisol also weakens our immunity, um, um, and and that's a problem. So that so we're more apt to have every cold that comes along. We're more apt to get cancers, which are really a failure of our immune system to to, to kill off the mutated cells. Um, there, so the ways that, that that also puts us at risk for other problems down the road. Another thing that I didn't mention that, that chronic stress causes is um, uh, GI upset. So because part of the stress response is to shunt blood flow away from our core, away, away from our organs of restoration outward to our muscles and our brain so we can think and we can run, that action creates a... A, uh, a lack of support for our digested capacity, which means we're not getting the nourishment we need. So there's a sort of a way in which chronic stress depletes us. It weakens immunity. It weakens our, just our, our own physical resilience gets run, it gets worn down by chronic stress. And then in our mind, it creates the feeling of being threatened. It creates anxiety. It creates a feeling of powerlessness and hopelessness. So people get depressed. So it really wreaks havoc on every level of our being. Um, so, so you asked about back, yeah, 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 I was just coming back to, um, cause obviously this is terrible. I can imagine people listening to this and just thinking, like, oh my gosh, this is awful. Um, so what effect does yoga have on stress hormones like cortisol? Right. Well, th- that, this is, this is why people tuned in to hear this is the, this is the best thing ever is that yoga, <laughs> yoga is the solution for our chronic stress problem. Um, there's actually been studies even since the early 2000s on cortisol levels, even in healthy people before and after a yoga class. Um, but more and more recently, as there's, there's become such a, um, a broader interest uh, in yoga practice and yoga therapy um, uh, and its effect on health in general, on many, uh, on many chronic health um, uh, issues. And what we know is that people who are... Um, Going to yoga, ha- that, that, that yoga practice lowers cortisol levels. So we, so science is showing, it's proving out what the ancients knew, <laughs> basically, is that yoga is a wonderful tool to support us physically, energetically, mentally, and emotionally. And so the research out there is now showing that this is true from a whole range of disease states. So the most, I'd say the most um, kind of dramatic is the, uh, the work of Dean Ornish who is a cardiologist and a yoga practitioner who began his work back in the nineties and showed that heart disease was reversible through a lifestyle approach, which basically included a, a low vegetarian, I'm sorry, a, a low fat vegetarian diet, um, a, um, uh, 30 minutes of aerobic exercise, six days a week and an hour of yoga and meditation every day. Mm. And people really, and so he's with that in place over the course of, I think it was three months, maybe it was six, I forget now, but he really has shown, and he's repeatedly shown this now over the last 20 years, that heart disease, that this thing that I was taught, I don't know about you in, in your medical training, but I was taught that heart disease was chronic and progressive, like end of story. Right. <laughs> you know, there was no, but he's really shown that, that the plaques, the blockages in arteries are reversible through this lifestyle approach. And, and, the, and the more subtle pieces, the, the yoga and meditation pieces, are the most important pieces that if you if you just do the physical, just do the exercise and the and the diet, you get some benefit, but you don't see the kind of reversal that he saw without those uh, more subtle the, the the breath and the the, uh, the 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 inwardness of yoga practice is a is a big piece of that healing. So just we're about to go to the break, but can you just very briefly mention about the hormone oxytocin and its effects in helping to mitigate the effects of stress and yeah. how it's related to yoga? Yes, I love this. So oxytocin is the feel-good hormone. It's a hormone that gets secreted in women in labor to help them have their baby. It's a, 
it's it's a hormone that gets that gets secreted by the pituitary gland when women are breastfeeding and when women and men are making love. So it, it increases the bonding. It's a it's the bonding hormone. Um, um, so what we see is that when people feel connected to each other, when they when people are have community and loving relationships, that oxytocin rises, and that oxytocin level helps mitigate the negative side effects of high cortisol levels. So they might not necessarily decrease the level of cortisol, but it modifies the negative effects of cortisol of, or, or high stress. And so what, what that means really is that when you have positive relationships, when you feel connected to people, you're less apt to have a negative effect from chronic stress. Mm. And then has yoga been shown to have any effect on the oxytocin levels? Uh, you know what? Maybe. I don't. I don't know. Ah, okay. Well, we'll come back to that uh, as we move to our break. So you're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Dr. Carrie Demers, who integrates holistic methods such as yoga therapy and Ayurveda with her Western training in internal medicine. Carrie's the medical director of the Himalayan Institute's Total Health Center and also a board member of the International Association of Yoga Therapists. You can learn more about Dr. Demers at the website HimalayanInstitute.org and also you can uh, get information at yogainternational.com backslash Dr. Carrie. Um, in our next segment, uh, we're going to be talking about um, yoga's ideal design as a stress reducer. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Now and then, life is challenging. I may not welcome challenge itself, but I welcome the opportunity to learn from whatever arises, to grow in understanding, to flex my spiritual muscles. Every day is a new day, a fresh start. No situation or circumstance can hold me back. My life is not only about what's happening to me, it's also what's happening through me. The Christ within is my source of unlimited wisdom and creativity. I do my best when I respond to any challenge from my Christ nature, rather than reacting impulsively from my human nature. Every day I pursue what enriches me, enjoying the journey to my goals as much as the destination. This inspirational message is brought to you by Daily Word. Daily Word. Inspiration and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Give Daily Word to yourself or a friend and give the gift of hope, joy, peace, and encouragement. Order your subscriptions today online at dailyword.com. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
are listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm joined today by Dr. Carrie Demers, Medical Director of the Himalayan Institute's Total Health Center, who integrates holistic methods into her practice. Today we're discussing how to stress less with yoga and meditation, and, and in this segment we'll be really focusing on yoga's ideal design as a stress reducer. So Carrie, fortunately for us all, the ancient system of yoga is ideally designed to counteract many of the negative effects about stress that we were talking about in the first section. So let's start with the physical benefits of practicing yoga asanas. Um, speaking from my own perspective, for myself, it's always such a relief to me after I attend a yoga class and realize that now my shoulders and my jaw are relaxed uh, is since those two areas are where I habitually will uh, store some muscle tension. Um, and I think many people really do feel, you know, this way after a, a class that's uh, on, you know, where they've done yoga postures. So how does practicing asanas or postures help us work through the places where we hold tension in our bodies? And in particular, how does it differ from other forms of exercise? Those are great questions. Um, as a practitioner also, I can say that um, asanas help me um, address where I'm unconsciously holding. So jaws, shoulders, low back, buttocks, sometimes thighs, calves. We, we all, as human beings, are, are unconsciously tensing our bodies in, in how we uh, face our life, how we, how we hold ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so so uh, asanas bring attention to all the places that we don't generally uh, pay attention to. In the course of our life, so we notice our shoulders. We drop our oh yeah, my shoulders are up, are up to my ears. Oh, maybe I'll bring them down now. Um, I also feel like it, it as we bring attention to all of our parts, our places we don't again don't give attention. We bring uh, what, what what yoga calls prana. We, we bring life. We bring circulation. We bring we bring um, not just that awareness, but really support for every part of our body. So I. I feel like it's. It, of course, it rings us out. It, it you know, it it, it 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 softens the tensions. It lowers blood pressure. It, it decreases the stress response. Um, but it also has a way of of uh, nourishing um, all the places where we where we don't um, attend. Um, so my whole body feels lighter, more buoyant, more nourished, more supported when I'm done with my yoga practice. Um, and I'm sure many of the people that are listening feel the same way. Right. And my thoughts about this, what I've realized is that I think it's a couple things. So first, it's that inward turning of attention that you mentioned. And in yoga, in contrast to, say, walking or running, you know, your your mind may be anywhere, you know, when you're walking or running. But in yoga, you're really trying to bring yourself together, you know, your emotions, your thoughts, and your body together in the same spot and to really turn that attention inward so that you can really notice things about your body and realize, for example, oh, Gosh, I t- just took a deep breath, and that's the first deep breath I've probably taken for the last, you know, since this morning. I've been so stressed out all day. I've that's been true. forgetting forgetting to breathe deeply. And then the other piece for me is that obviously yoga does put you into different positions, different postures that are different from how we hold our body during the day. So, mm-hmm. for example, if you're running or you're walking, you may still be holding your shoulders the same way you've held your shoulders all day. But if you do a side bend, you know, or even a four forward bend, back bend, lots of the positions that we go through, you know, the um, the six different directions that you can move your spine, um, all those things, not only do you bring attention, but again, you bring energy um, by holding your body in these different places and then noticing, well, where is my edge and how can I breathe into that edge and, and get it to release? That's right. So that 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 uh, focus inward that that absolute attention to myself my muscles my body and space is what's different exactly to what to usual exercise where i'm much more outward in fact i might be watching a screen while i'm on the on the treadmill i'm i'm still outward focused as opposed to inward focus um, and that also is that that uh, stress response stress 
the stress reaction is outward focus. It's about fighting or fleeing from an external source as opposed to the the rest and digest response. The opposite of that is much more about internal focus, um, restoration, renewal, repair work. So yoga is the inroad into that more restorative state of our nervous system. So we've already mentioned uh, that that we know that this that yoga has been shown in scientific studies to decrease the the level of cortisol and then we were chatting about oxytocin right at the end and i know over the break you mentioned that you'd done a little google search on uh, yoga and and oxytocin that's right and there's <laughs> there's several studies out there we knew there would be <laughs> <laughs> right. You can always find the studies that you're after if you just look hard enough. There, say, there's multiple studies in, the, in psychology today. There was one from just 2013 showing that, that oxytocin rises from doing yoga. So it's not surprising that cortisol falls and oxytocin rises when right. we shift more from that stress response to a more of an inward, relaxed, uh, calm state. So... One of the things that, that attending a yoga class uh, can trigger is some frustration when our bodies aren't as flexible as we might ideally like them to be, and particularly if we're in class with people who are more flexible than we are. And of course, yeah. yoga really encourages us not to compare ourselves to others and to really use our own selves um, as you know our own benchmark and perhaps only to notice how how is my body today different from how it was, say, yesterday or last week when I last you know practiced yoga. So... Um, how might this acceptance of our limitations, accepting what our bodies can do on a given day, um, and this increased self-awareness, how might that work to reduce, help reduce our stress levels? Well, that, that idea just reminds me of the, the uh, serenity prayer in 12-step groups, you know, uh, Lord, grant me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Like that's that state where I'm not pushing to change something that's not changeable right this minute is really a step toward more peace, more um, self acceptance. is a really is a really wonderful space to be in, um, and it's in that state of surrender or acceptance that change happens. I can't tell you how many patients or people, that, friends that I know, my, even myself, that we're pushing into our hamstrings. I mean, these damn tight hamstrings. Why won't they stretch? And we're pushing <laughs> and we're doing forward bending and we're trying to make them stretch. And, they, and the more we push, the more they tighten because right. they don't soften when you just push against them. So that sort of having those experiences where pushing is not the solution, it's, it's sort of mind-blowing. It's mind-changing. That the acceptance of being with that is the answer to that problem as opposed to the striving, pushing mentality that's so common in our in our culture. Absolutely. And and I think that um, many people you report and certainly I have noticed this over the many years I've been practicing yoga. Um, you know, the the lessons that you learn, you know, in meditation or in practicing asanas, they really do start to show up in other parts of your life. And you realize in that you may be um, you may be pushing something, you know, at work and you realize, oh, you know, this doesn't really work very well in yoga and it's probably not working very well right now. So that's really helpful. Yes. And that's a wonderful thing to see that that carries over those awarenesses in asana carry over into my life. That's a beautiful thing. So yoga philosophy and practice also does include the practice of meditation. And Roy Eugene Davis, who is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, says, although the primary purpose of meditation practice should be to nurture spiritual growth, several side benefits will result. And I'm only going to list some of him here that he lists, but um, his list included reduction of stress because of deep physical relaxation, ordering and calming of mental processes and emotions and enhanced appreciation and enjoyment of life and i certainly have you know found all of these from my meditation practice meditation encourages us to be in the present moment and teaches us how to allow our wandering thoughts to settle we learn to continually bring our attention back to a point of focus, which can break through those recurrent loops in our thinking where we can sometimes get stuck. So what has research in particular about meditation um, 
discovered about how meditation can change brain architecture. Right. Well, what I love is that current science is proving what what, um, the yogis knew, basically. So there's been studies on the effects of meditation and how it lowers people's perception of pain, how it increases people's sense of well-being, their capacity to be compassionate. Um, and when they actually look at brain architecture, they see that there's actually a thickening of, 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 of the cortex. So our brain matter actually grows in response to meditation practice. Um, I want to say it's the left frontal cortex. It's some, it's part of our brain that's associated with compassion and like higher functioning. Um, I think that's just brilliant. And they've, they've done it with long term, long time, like Buddhist meditators and seen a change in their brains, but they've also taken college students and taught them a simple, uh, focusing practice, a meditative practice and had them do it for over like a half an hour a day for three weeks and already seen some changes in their brains. So that's just so cool to me that, that this idea of drawing your mind inward, um, to the present moment, as, as we've already mentioned, um, and calming the distracting thoughts and being fully present inward is enough for a half an hour a day to change our brains. Mm. That's just, you know, it's amazing, as you said, what, you know, Western science can now uh, demonstrate with, you know, techniques like brain scans that these are things that, you know, have been known, you know, for thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Um in particular, I wanted to touch on that, you know, you just mentioned the present moment awareness. And for me, one of the great things about being, trying to pull myself back into the present moment is so, so rarely is anything that I'm worried about or fretting over happening in this moment. Usually it's something that I'm worried about that hasn't happened yet but may happen, or it's something that I'm thinking about that already happened and I can't do anything about it. So being in the now, you know, in this present moment um, is such a relief um, to get away from, you know, that type of, um, you know, anxiety, fear, worry, because again, it's, it's just to be here now and now is usually not a bad place that's right that's right but our habit as a culture is to be thinking processing the past wishing it was different or worrying about what's going to happen next so you're right we we it's hard to bring our minds not our, it's not our cultural habit to bring our mind to this moment to be here now right yeah um i I feel like um, the practice of awareness is, is, is that, that present moment awareness. It's also um, can be linked into by practicing relaxation. So the act of shifting from thinking to feeling. So when we practice at, like a Shavasana at the end of class where people lie on their backs and rest and, and actually focus on their body sensations, their the feeling of their body on the floor, the feeling of their shoulders dropping down, the feeling of their breath rising and falling in their, in their bodies. That that's that act of shifting from thinking <laughs> backward, forward, whatever, to just be, to feeling mm-hmm. is a, is also that relief that, Oh, I'm just here now. I'm just in this physical um, space sensing what is. Right. And, and of course, I, like many people, I think, you know, love Shavasana at the end of class and, and love the idea that it's really an important part of the whole experience that what you're doing by allowing that little space of being, you know, in other words, you're just being, you're not moving, you know, you are focusing still on these internal sensations. But I love that, 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 that moment of being, that uh, acknowledgement of the need for that restoration and integration is included, you know, in the practice of yoga, that it's not, again, just, you know, go, 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 do, 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 um, that, that it's felt to be a necessary part. Absolutely. So the spiritual goal of yoga is union for us to return to our essential spiritual nature and our original state of wholeness. 
So given that all of the practices of yoga, you know, the asanas that we've been talking about, the, you know, meditation, you know, breathing exercises, etc., um, how does having that larger spiritual goal of returning to our essential spiritual nature help to change our perception of stress? Well, this is the, this is the most important thing. Because even though, so yoga practices, the asanas ring out our tensions and the breathing practices increase our vagal tone and we have less of that stress response going through our nervous system, that's all great and useful. But the problem really in our stressful, our experience of stress in our life is our perception that life is threatening to us. And to change that perception requires work on our mind. Mm-hmm. We have to change our mind. And how we change our mind? We change our mind through meditation. Well, you could have talk therapy. That might help change your mind. Um, um, or, <laughs> or journaling practices or contemplative right. practices can help change how we think about things. Or reading books that challenge our preconceived ideas are all useful in changing our minds. But meditation, by its own nature, is changes our mind. It changes the grooves, the habitual tendency for our mind to go down certain certain pathways are altered by meditative practice. And so this, I love that you named this segment of the, of the show, yoga as the ideal, you know, it has the, the ideal design to reduce stress because meditation changes our perception of what's happening here. So if I look at the yoga sutra, if I look at the, 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 the scripture of yoga or read about Sankhya philosophy, what it says is that we're all spiritual beings having an, a human experience here. We're having an, we're evolving spiritually here. That this is the plan for this life. This is this is uh, one lifetime of many, and we're all evolving. And if you have an end, we're always in, in the constant uh, presence of the divine. That that that, that right. however you consciousness, awareness, however you name that thing, that oneness of everything, and it's always present with us. And if in it's nice to, to hear about that, but to actually experience that as truth mm-hmm. is what changes our perception of life as threatening or not threatening. Right. So it really changes our perspective, you know, on, on what's important in life. And with that, we're going to move to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for a regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. Today's guest is Dr. Carrie Demers, holistic physician and board member of the International Association of Yoga Therapists, um, which is uh, abbreviated IAYT. And IAYT will hold its annual symposium on yoga therapy and research called CITAR on a June 4th to 7th in Newport Beach, California. Conference program and details can be found on IAYT's website, IAYT.org. We uh, will probably, Karen and I will have a chance to talk a bit more about the conference in the next section. Um, here at the Yoga Hour, we do welcome our listeners' comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. in a state of change, a period of transition? Perhaps you simply don't know which way to turn, or you want guidance on taking that next step in your personal or professional life. You can activate the power of yes with Reverend Beverly Melander. As a new thought minister and next step counselor, she knows how to listen to where you are and help you get to where you want to be. With 20 plus years of experience, she offers spiritual counseling and affirmative prayer next step counseling for your personal or professional life, as well as resume writing and editing. To learn more about Beverly's counseling services, visit beverlymelander.net. That's Beverly, M-O-L-A-N-D-E-R.net. At Metaphysical Wrong 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? 
We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. My guest today is holistic physician, Dr. Carrie Demers. In this quote from Roy Eugene Davis, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, Roy addresses our underlying wholeness, which the practices of yoga help us to access. Below the threshold of your thoughts and feelings, at the level from which impulses arise, you are firmly established in the reality of pure conscious being. Here, absolute peace prevails because wholeness is the permanent condition of the soul. I just love that, you know, that um, awareness that at our center, there is an original wholeness, you know, from which our life and the life of everything really arises. So, in your role as it, Carrie, in your role as medical director of the Himalayan Institute Total Health Center, I know you see patients and you have a holistic practice that does include yoga therapy. You also serve on the board of directors of the International Association of Yoga Therapists. So I really wanted to focus this section on really talking about yoga therapy and how it can be helpful, you know, in dealing with stress. So what is yoga therapy and how does it differ from other types of yoga? Yes. So yoga therapy, well, just to say that all, really all yoga has a therapeutic effect. I mean, just right. to be honest. But yoga, the idea of yoga therapy is that, is that it's a one-on-one session with a yoga teacher that is very experienced in all aspects of yoga. So asana, relaxation practices, meditation, pranayama practices. Um, and that person is skilled enough to see in that uh, patient or that client What's most needed right now? So, to me, so so there there are all kinds of yoga therapy uh, schools and practices that are popping up all over the place. So some of them are very emotional focused, like Phoenix Rise, and some of them are very structural oriented, that are almost like physical therapy. Um, but the idea is that we're applying aspects of yoga practice to a particular need in a in a in a person. Um. And, you know, it could be any type of yoga. You know, we have, we have, you know, um, Iyengar yoga and we have, uh, Vini yoga and we have, um, you know, all the, all the, uh, uh, Ashtanga yoga, we have all these types of yoga out there. And, um, really a therapist could utilize any of those. It isn't like, like yoga therapy is different from those. It's really the discriminative application of yoga practice to a, a particular person. That's what yoga therapy is. Um, Great. So I know you've, you've obviously you're on the board, so you've been involved with yoga therapy for, for several years, I'm sure. So over those years um, in your involvement with yoga therapy, have you seen any change in how it is viewed by traditional medicine? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. So I've been in practice as a holistic practitioner since 1993, and I started out in Milwaukee, and at that time, we didn't even use the word yoga. We called it stretching and breathing, or we called it relaxation practices, or we didn't, we didn't call it yoga because it was of the devil. <laughs> I mean, if I was in California, I might have used it, but in the Midwest, it was a little sketchy. Um, so there's been a, a, an amazing transformation in both our society and in, and in the science world toward yoga practice um it, it's it, 
been remarkable. And I've been going, I've been involved with SITAR since, uh, or with uh, IAYT since 07. Mm. And, um, and so in that time, there's been an, just an incredible amount of, uh, a rise in interest in yoga as a therapeutic, um, uh, whatever, uh, uh, endeavor. Um, really, really exciting. Um, Right. And so this, I mean, we are coming up, you know, on the, the, at the beginning of June, you know, on the, the, uh, conference, the symposium, the annual symposium, the annual meeting of this, uh, you know, IAYT, the International Association of Yoga Therapists. Um, so did you want to just say, um, just, you've been to this conference before? Yes, I've been to um, almost every one of them. And so sit, it's called SITAR, which stands for the Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research. Therapy and Research, right. Symposium Yoga, yeah, Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research, uh, put on by IOIT. And it's, this is really the one that's geared toward practitioners. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, there's, there's some keynotes, but, but there's a lot of hands on, um, let's talk about back pain. Let, let's talk about using yoga for addiction. Let, let's talk about using yoga for, um, depression. Let's, mm-hmm. so there's, there's ways in which the, the breakout sessions are really meant to help teachers, um, uh, pass on information to their students or to their to their clients, one-on-one clients. So this is really the practice focus. Whereas we have another conference in the fall called the Symposium on Yoga uh, Research, and that's really run by um, Satyar Khalsa, who's a Harvard uh, professor and researcher. Mm-hmm. And that's really just just a research conference, solely geeky, brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, symposium on just the research and and so so both of those are um, our annual conferences and they're both amazing really uh, so the so the first the sitar the one that's in June is really inspiring on that we get hundreds of of yoga teachers many that come to it and um, the community that we feel together is really uh, wonderful um, and how we support each other. In, in the in in this in this practice of putting yoga out there in all these different medical settings, last year we had um, Lorenzo Cohen came from MD Anderson and spoke to the group, and he it was just so inspiring to have this you know internationally known cancer center um, be representing this or, or purporting or uh, saying that, that yoga was key to uh, cancer patients healing. You know that was. That's that, that was really his message, and he was looking to train more people to help them with with right. their with their cancer patients. So that, just, just for, for for yoga teachers to see that there's a bigger world out there that where they could be incredibly helpful, not just in their yoga, their corner yoga studio helping people work out their kinks, you know, but actually in a, a, a much larger healing community. So you mentioned this uh, other conference, um, but focusing now just on yoga therapy research, what trends, yeah, I mean, I'm imagining that you follow this and you're on the board, what trends are you seeing in yoga therapy research? Well, you know, it, what's, what's interesting to me is that there's an endless um, application. So, you know, at first we saw yoga for backs. And we saw yoga for knees and yoga for bunions and yoga for all kinds of structural problems. And that made sense to us because we were thinking, okay, asanas help the body structurally. But now we're seeing, and and we had the Ornish, uh, yoga for heart disease. But we're seeing more and more that yoga practice helps just about everything. Mm. Um, And I I, I can't tell you that there's a particular frontier. It's yoga for vets, yoga to help PTSD. There's, there's yoga to help people with asthma or other chronic illness, autoimmune diseases, MS. So I can't, I'm, I'm not really seeing that there's a particular focus, you know, yoga for cancer patients I just mentioned. Um, there's not a particular frontier. I feel like it's just soaring. It's, 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 it's just expanding in every possible direction. Yoga for kids. There's yoga taught in prisons. Yoga's for troubled teenagers. There's, there's just a, a, a bajillion ways that yoga's being applied yeah. right. to, to needy people, to needy populations. <clears throat> 
one of the things that I've been interested in is I've been looking at, you know, yoga research over time. And, and as you mentioned, you know, the, the physical application of yoga, because again, most people in the United States, when they think of yoga, they don't think about the meditation part or the potentially the, you know, breathing exercises. It's mostly the, you know, the physical, you know, postures. So that research in a way is not really surprising. But what I thought, one of the studies that I was very struck by was um, when you take a uh, women who, um, elderly women who have osteoporosis and have the, you know, the hunched over, you know, the dowager's hump, you know, yeah. in their back, um, you know, so, so osteoporosis, very thin bones and this hunched over posture and you teach them breathing exercises. There is actually a, has been proven to be a decreased risk in heart attacks, you know, mm-hmm. in women who are taught these, you know, yogic breathing exercises to take really, you know, deep breaths and the the little write up that I was reading was hypothesizing that perhaps just this hunched over posture gives you a um, gives you a um, um, compression you know on the heart um, so anyway gosh I uh, realize the time has really flown and here we are at the very end of the program um, I I really want to thank you uh, Carrie Dr Carrie Demars and uh, I just wanted to say, uh, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. Um, it's really my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in with Yogataria O'Brien, and we've been discussing how to stress less with yoga and meditation. You can find out more about our guest, Dr. Carrie uh, De- Demers, at the website HimalayanInstitute.org. And again, want to remind you about the uh, conference, the Symposium on Yoga therapy and research that's coming June 4th to 7th in Newport Beach, California, uh, which you can uh, read more about on the website iayt.org. Please join us next week for a special conversation about yoga and freedom, the Prison Yoga Project with guest James Fox. For information about CSE, visit csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. And thanks, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to consider these words from Unity author Charles Roth. Live deeply in the present moment. If you are going to work on the premise that real energy, real excitement, that feeling of being fully and enthusiastically alive comes from a source within you, 
then it follows that you have to spend some time getting acquainted, being at home in those far reaches of inner space. Peace is power, for out of stillness, strength is born, and out of inner harmony, productivity flourishes. Rest in that inner peace. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. 